tuning back into EM Stud. This is Dr. Nate, and in this episode, we're going to dive a little deeper into one of the niches in emergency medicine, the use of bedside or point-of-care ultrasound. As an emergency physician, I like to think of our specialty as being on the cutting edge in a variety of things, things like early sepsis resuscitation, advanced airway strategies, pain management, and procedural sedation. But by far, few things have had as tremendous of an impact in the provision of emergency care in the past decade or so as medical ultrasonography. Now, ultrasound is certainly not new to the medical profession. In fact, as far back as the 1940s, European scientists were discovering the use of ultrasound in locating brain tumors via measurement of ultrasonic wave transmission through the skull. Over the following decades, ultrasound became higher resolution, more portable, and the advent of 3D image acquisition, color, and power Doppler flow has led to even more applications in the diagnosis of disease. What's neat about ultrasound is not only what it's used for, but also how it works. Simplistically, the ultrasound machine generates mechanical sound or pressure waves, which propagate through tissue at frequencies much higher than what we humans can hear, thus the name ultrasound. When these sound waves travel through various tissues, some are absorbed or attenuated, while others are reflected. When a sound wave hits a boundary between two different tissue densities, a portion of that energy is then echoed back to the probe, which is translated into an image by the computer. In B mode, or brightness mode, the image translation is a two-dimensional representation of the tissue plane directly below the transducer. This allows imaging of anatomic structures, like determining the size of a kidney, for example. In M mode, or motion mode, an echo signal traveling along a single line is plotted over time. This is helpful in assessing slight movements of structures along that line, such as in the determination of fetal cardiac motion. And Doppler mode uses a phenomenon called Doppler shift, something you may remember from your college physics class, which allows for the detection and measurement of velocity and direction, like the pulsatile flow through a major blood vessel. Using the various modalities and techniques of bedside ultrasonography is outside the scope of this episode, especially since this is an audio podcast, but there's no doubt that ultrasound is cool. The advantages are that it is fast, easy to get a hang of with a little bit of practice, and non-invasive with minimal risk to the patient, with the exception of a small, almost negligible amount of heat generated by the propagating sound waves. There are no needles, no contrast to be allergic to, no radiation. In 1997, the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, or ACGME, along with the Emergency Medicine Residency Review Committee, designated emergency ultrasound as one of the core procedures in emergency medicine. And today, all EM residency programs are required to train the residents in bedside ultrasound, a tool with an enormous impact on the rapid evaluation of ED patients, ultimately resulting in improved outcomes. You will learn to acquire your own images and interpret them on the fly. Things that we commonly use ultrasound to evaluate for in the ED include renal stones or hydronephrosis, cellulitis, abscesses, soft tissue foreign bodies, cholelithiasis and cholecystitis, abdominal aortic aneurysms, DVTs, appendicitis in children and pregnant patients, left ventricular function, cardiac output, elevated pulmonary artery pressures, elevated intracranial pressure or retinal detachments with the use of ocular ultrasound, and intrauterine pregnancy or ovarian torsion with transvaginal imaging. 
There are also some specific ultrasound exams in evaluating unstable patients. One example is the FAST exam, which stands for Focused Assessment with Sonography and Trauma. In a hypotensive trauma patient, views of the abdomen and heart can quickly detect intraperitoneal bleeding or cardiac injury without the delay of having to obtain a CT. The Extended FAST or EFAST exam also evaluates for pneumo and hemothoraces. Another example is the RUSH exam, or Rapid Ultrasound for Shock and Hypotension. When you have a sick medical patient and need to know why they're hypotensive in a hurry, it is absolutely crucial to be able to assess for things such as pericardial tamponade, poor LV function, right ventricular enlargement from a massive PE, or volume depletion via measurement of the IVC. And of course, ultrasound is great for procedures as well, such as central venous catheterization, regional nerve blocks, and lumbar punctures, to name a few. So it's no surprise that ultrasound has taken off in the world of emergency medicine, not only as a core competency during residency training, but also as a rapidly growing subspecialty. Presently, there are close to 100 emergency ultrasound fellowships in the U.S., which are typically one year long after the completion of an EM residency. Fellowships offer even more practical experience with advanced point-of-care ultrasound image acquisition and interpretation, as well as exposure to research, quality assurance, billing, and reimbursement. I recently had the opportunity to sit down and talk with our very own ultrasound fellowship director, Dr. David Evans, to hear his thoughts about ultrasound and EM in general. All right, Dave. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, let me ask you first. Uh, I plan to ask all of my guests this uh, before we really kind of dive into what ultrasound is and what opportunities there are out there for our students. Where did you go to medical school and where did you do your residency and fellowship training? Well, the answer to all three of those is Eastern Virginia Medical School in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, obviously, I had some dependency issues. All right, and now you're up here in, uh, in Richmond with us here at VCU. Now tell me also, when did you first decide to go into emergency medicine? So I was probably pretty late choosing emergency medicine. It wasn't until my fourth year clerkship that I decided that this was a specialty for me. I was one of those people who just kind of loved everything and was completely unsure of what I was going to do and scared of the match until uh, July of my fourth year when I found emergency medicine. Throughout medical school, had you ever considered other uh, career options seriously before choosing emergency medicine? Oh, yeah, yeah. So when I got to medical school, I had worked heavily with a cardiothoracic surgeon locally, and I thought, well, this is what I'll do. And all through medical school, I was drawn to cardiac physiology, thought when I got to my clerkships during my third year that I would be bound for a cardiovascular fellowship slash residency and uh, I soon realized after my first clerkship was OBGYN that I indeed loved that, and I never even imagined that I would, and that was preceded by you know, medicine, which I loved, and then surgery, which I loved, and the story continued from there. So a lot of our students who go throughout their third year uh, uh, have a difficult time choosing between specialties, and it sounds like you were one of those students. Uh, was there anything in particular about emergency medicine that just struck you, like one day you were all of a sudden just had this moment of enlightenment that emergency medicine was for you, or was it more of a more of a gradual process, gradual decision for you? I would say it was a gradual decision over the course of the four-week clerkship. By the end of my clerkship at July, I realized that this really offered me the ability to do what I enjoyed 
within all those subspecialties, be it medicine, procedural-based, central lines, innovations, things that really I found interesting and exciting. And so pretty much by the end of my clerkship as a fourth year, I was sure that this is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So what I think clearly you have succeeded in emergency medicine and then went on further to study ultrasonography. And how did you come to that decision that you wanted to really dive in there? Well, it's interesting. I think emergency medicine physicians tend to be drawn to the specialty because we turn out to be jacks of all trade and master of none. And yet there was this one budding subspecialty of emergency medicine, which we were masters of. Everyone came to the ER doc to see how the ultrasound worked, how to put in an ultrasound-guided central line, how to perform a, a fast exam. And all of a sudden, we were the experts in bedside ultrasound. And I found that really exciting that I could function as an emergency physician doing all of the different specialties that we do, but yet still have expertise in a singular niche. So uh, let me back up just for a second here. Can you tell us just briefly, especially for those who may be new to uh, the medical profession, what exactly ultrasound is and uh, what we're using it for in the emergency department. Is it just for pregnant women? Well, there's the, the technical definition, which is pretty boring. And then there is what we use it for, which uh, really has an array of uses. Currently, we're doing everything from ocular ultrasound to look for retinal detachments and increased intracranial pressure to obstetric ultrasound, like you mentioned, to renal ultrasound looking for kidney stones as a way to prevent patients from having excess radiation, to looking for appendicitis in children for the same reason, to more common causes like cholelithiasis, cholecystitis, and it really goes on from there. That uh, certainly sounds like quite a lot. Now, is that part of uh, normal emergency medicine training, residency training, or does that uh, did you learn all of that in your fellowship? So most residencies have some sort of ultrasound training these days. Emergency medicine in particular we have 11 different exams uh, that we are required to teach to residents. And as part of your graduation requirements, you have things called milestones, and we have a ultrasound milestone. So each resident is required to show proficiency in ultrasound prior to graduating. Is, uh, in your general opinion, although you may be a little biased here, but is, is ultrasound something that's difficult to learn how to do? I think ultrasound, like any other procedure takes some hands-on time and some dedication in order to learn but typically what we find is that the learning curve is is fairly steep and after only a few exams and some hand-holding people generally pick it up fairly fast the ultrasound fellowship tell me a little bit more about that if it uh, if most people are actually learning these ultrasound exams during residency what else do they learn in fellowship So like I said, there's a a lot of different things that we are using ultrasound for, and really we have just broken the horizon of where we're going to go with ultrasound. So the typical resident will probably learn 11 exams fairly well before they graduate. The really important topics like transesophageal echo, advanced transthoracic echo, looking at things like diastology, mitral valve inflow velocities, looking at things like TAPSI during right ventricular strain and PE, have all been shown to have 
very important influential factors on how we take care of patients. So these are all important exams that aren't typically taught to emergency physician, but with that extra training can be taught. Now, does that mean that after completion of an ultrasound fellowship that uh, there are perhaps different career opportunities out there, or uh, is this really more for uh, the personal benefit of the physician in training? I think that most people enter into an ultrasound fellowship for personal gain in terms of knowledge. So the amount of exams that they have not mastered by the time they graduated, and I think I mentioned some of them, draws them to an ultrasound fellowship so they can really spend a year dedicated to learning everything that they want to learn about ultrasound. Now that said, here at Virginia Commonwealth University, we actually have two spots. And typically I find, just by luck as it stands, that one fellow will be more educational, academic-based, and the other tends to be more community-based. So we will train people uh, not only in the art of ultrasound, but also in the business of ultrasound, how you set up a ultrasound program at your shop, how you uh, bill for ultrasound, how you stay compliant with your billing, and how you work with administrators and other emergency physicians to have a sustainable program. So I will find some people that want to come just to learn those skill sets to take it back out to the community. Now, I noticed that not only are you Dr. David Evans, MD, but you are also Dr. David Evans, MD, RDMS, and RDCS. Now, what does that mean exactly? I think you left off a couple uh, acronyms at the end, but that's okay. Uh, RDMS, RDCS, so this is actually a controversy within the ultrasound community now. So when I trained, part of our rite of passage, since this is an unaccredited fellowship, meaning that there is no accreditation by ABEM for ultrasound right now, that uh, we would sit for some sort of credentialing exam. So currently, there is the registered diagnostic medical sonographer and the registered diagnostic cardiac sonographer exam. And uh, these are the same licensing exams that a tech would take in order to be an echo tech at a hospital or your abdominal ultrasound tech that uh, comes to your department to do your right upper quadrant ultrasound. It's the same exact test. It's just a practice pathway for physicians that lets them take these things after a year of fellowship. That said, I think as we move closer towards being accredited and having uh, board certification, that you will see a standardized accrediting exam that stands alone and is not necessarily a, a tech exam like RDMS or RDCS. So bringing this back a little bit towards medical school, it sounds like clearly ultrasound is, is a really cool thing to do, but it takes a lot of training both uh, during residency and perhaps in a fellowship after residency training as well. To the medical students right now, what kind of opportunities are out there for medical students who may think that they're interested in uh, sonography? Luckily, many medical schools have gotten on board with bedside ultrasound in the M1 through 4 curriculum, and we're seeing that across the country now. We are currently moving that way at Virginia Commonwealth University as well. But for the third and fourth year medical student, there are plenty of student rotations in bedside ultrasound. Uh, currently, we have one at Virginia Commonwealth University where you can come and spend a month with us, me and my fellow, and we focus on those 11 exams and try to teach you the basic knobology of ultrasound, uh, the different images that are required for each exam, and how to get a basic cardiac exam or a basic renal exam, a basic aorta exam 
by the conclusion of the month. All right, awesome. So let me ask, looking back, would you say that you're happy with your decisions to go into emergency medicine and uh, pursue ultrasound? Well, I think that we are very privileged to be in emergency medicine. We're one of the few specialties where the patient doesn't get to pick their physician, that we get to be there at their moment of need, and it could be from day zero to day 99, and that's not something that other specialties get the privilege of doing. So yes, I think I'm happy that I went into emergency medicine, and if I had to do it over again, I would do the same thing. Any other last-minute tips or pearls, words of advice for our present students out there on interviews? Again, uh, from an ultrasound perspective, I think this is future. And uh, as you go on your interviews, I think it behooves you to ask about the ultrasound program and making sure that they're going over all 11 exams, see what equipment they have in their emergency departments for you, and really keep an open mind. All right. Well, thanks so much again, Dave, for uh, being on the podcast. Again, this is uh, Dr. David Evans, uh, one of our faculty members here at Virginia Commonwealth University, as well as our ultrasound director and fellowship director. Well, there you have it. I hope you were able to take away something from this episode, and who knows, maybe one day you'll be the next ultrasound director at your hospital. If you'd like to learn more about ultrasound fellowship opportunities in emergency medicine, visit our website at www.emstud.com for a link to a list of fellowship programs across the country. And as always, feel free to leave a comment or question, and we'll get back to you. For now, this is Dr. Nate. Catch you next time.